Alrighty ho and look at us go. It is episode 25 of the Age Unsquared podcast and journey. Yes siree, we are a quarter of the way to 100. Now I know you may think that I'm overly excited about this, but I really am thrilled to know that we're hanging in on this journey through 25 episodes now. You know, many podcasts don't make it this far. For that, I'm forever grateful for your support in listening in as you push me to keep going too. I'm excited to see where this journey is going. And if you're new to this podcast, having decided to join us at this point, thank you for jumping in right here. For those who don't know, I am your host, Adrian A. Jarasimu, and I am broadcasting this podcast into the digital clouds from deep within the prairie land of Canada. You're joining a journey of financial independence with a podcast aimed at providing inspiration, education, and illumination. What do we cover? Financial independence is the name of the game, so naturally, personal finance, investments, and yes, the ever-exciting economics are all discussed at some point. But I love to throw in stories too, both of the personal variety and stories from others as well. And all of that is packed into about 20 minutes per week. Yes, you heard right, 20 minutes per week. So how can you go wrong? Well, with that 20-minute timer already counting down, time to jump into the thick of financial things. And as painful as it is for me to say, enough of the small talk. It so happens that this 25th episode falls in the same month that I celebrate my second anniversary. No, not second wedding anniversary. Instead, it's been two years since I showed myself the exit out of the bankster matrix. It was finally the time I decided to take the financial bull by the horns and change my destiny. For those that listened to episode 0, which was released half a year ago, you'll know the basis for the rest of the story. Of course, a review is always a refreshing thing to do. But for those of you most unfortunate souls who have not graced your ears with the digital verbal beauty of episode 0, my first question is why not? But worry not, for in today's episode, I think it's worth spending a few minutes to do an age overview. I think it's also a good time to do so as age is in the midst of going through some further growth. I'm excited about how things are continuing to unfold for this journey, but I also think it's important to never forget the foundation that holds up our vision and mission. I'm here because I want to help others attain their own semblance of financial independence as I also work towards our family's quest for financial independence. I recognize that not everyone has the same future goals, of course. My desire to have X dollars to my name does not mean you can't pursue a name with Y dollars. It's my past and growing expertise in financial matters, personal finance, investments, economics, that I'm here to share with others so that they too don't have to be dependent on others, whose sole purpose to advise them is to sell them a financial product. Frankly, I'm not here to sell you financial products. I'm here to guide your finances into a future that you see. As part of this mission, we have set up five pillar principles to guide us in our pursuits. Some of you may have heard them already. You may have even read them on our website. But of course, repetition is the key to instilling them. If you have not come across them, I will share them here. Or you can also visit our website. My anticipation is that you will better understand where I'm coming from and be able to better connect with our journey. So let's get started. Number one, personal optimization. Thou shalt live a life of always trying to be better today than yesterday. 
our Western culture seems to be growing into one of consumerism and lazy comfort, not self-understanding and betterment. We're sold a life of buying things, drinking coffee or beer on the couch, and enjoying the latest television programming. Relax, citizen, we're told. Your next paycheck is but a mere 10 days away. Frankly, that's not life. That's just existence. Instead, I pursue financial independence so that I can better myself in all mind, body, and spirit, at my own pace, and to meet my own aspirations. I hope others are doing the same, by unplugging and experiencing the life they fantasize about when watching all those hours of television. Life is a blessing. We need to show respect for the gift we have been given. Number 2. Self-reliance. Thou shalt live a life dependent on no one person, nor one institution, save for thyself and family. We have been sold financial security through paychecks and old age benefits without realizing that the cost we pay for it is our ability to rely on ourselves to live. With each so-called added security, we exchange more and more of our ability to fend for ourselves, which truly is an exhilarating ability to have. Remember, Shakespeare, through Hamlet, stated, To be or not to be, that is the question. So, do you choose to be, or do you choose not to be? While Hamlet was juggling a decision between life and death, I merely propose a decision between life and existence. If you have a functioning body and brain, you have the ability to unleash your own fantastic destiny, so I hope you choose life. Number 3. Free Market or Laissez-Faire Capitalism Thou shalt reap the rewards of thy own efforts and pay for thy own mistakes and deviations. I think it's important to remember that it is the pursuit of capitalism, not socialism, that has brought us the progress and prosperity we take so much for granted in the West. Our dislike of our current corrupt system, which is not capitalism, has tainted our collective view and is pushing more and more people into the arms of socialism. For the sake of our future, I believe this trend needs to be countered. That is why I include this pillar in our principles as it is true free market capitalism that will bring financial independence not only to you, but to the others that you and I help along the way. I try to see the good in people and feel that it is possible for individuals to make the decision themselves to help others and that it is not a decision that needs to be forced upon us. Again, this is why this pillar exists here and is one that will likely get the most visible coverage on this podcast. Besides, we're talking finance, investments, and economics here, so it only makes sense that this pillar gets the most overt exposure. Liberty. Thou shalt not initiate harm against others, nor steal their property and or efforts. To some, like capitalism, this word liberty has become a dirty word. Instead, I challenge you to think of it merely as a desire for others not to do things to you that they themselves will not want you to do to them. For example, they don't want you to steal from them? Nope. Good. Then don't allow them to steal from you. They don't want you to physically harm them? Nope. Good. Then don't allow them to physically harm you. This sounds simple enough, but I assure you, you're allowing it to happen a lot more often than you're willing to admit, or maybe that you even realize. If you're wondering what I mean, then I think this journey is yours to join and stay on. Number 5. Integrity. Thou shalt choose courage over comfort, choose what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy, 
and practice thy values rather than simply professing them. This is a mouthful, I assure you, but it's also loaded with meaning. It's a principle that I found regularly professed within the financial industrial complex, but rarely upheld. For many, when the quick dollar is sitting on the table, integrity be darned. I know this because I was tempted by the same many times. As far as I can recall, I upheld my values and took the shaming for not selling more rather than the comfort of the quick dollar. Naturally, this principle, as with those preceding it, can be applied to any venture in life, not just this journey. The bottom line is that we should always be striving to keep our moral bank accounts full, even at the expense at other accounts. Now, if you find these pillars compelling and would like to review them regularly to get a better grasp of the age foundations, you can find them listed on the website www.agecorp.co. These bring better focus to our unsquared journey. The remainder of this episode, I'm going to focus on pillar three, free market or laissez-faire capitalism. As I just said mere moments ago, it is the one that will get the most talk time, and I wasn't joking. Firstly, as timing would have it, I received a very interesting email earlier this week from one Tom Woods, whose emails themselves are very inspiring, motivating, and educational. Here's a man that used to be a fully tenured professor, that means he was pretty much set for life, and he walked away from it all. Now he's doing better for himself than he ever could have as a professor at his own pace and his own objectives. Check him out, it really is worth at least a few moments of your time. Anyways, back to his email, which highlights some very interesting verses from poems written by one Karl Marx. And hopefully by now you know that Mr. Marx is the conjurer of Marxism, which is deeply connected to communism. I doubt many people have seen these verses, so I thought it would be productive to go through them here today, in the name of strengthening our third pillar. Of course, many people know about the deranged writings of Adolf Hitler. There is no question he was deranged and his views ridiculous. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone today that agrees with his writings contrary to what mainstream media might tell you. I grant you that there are people that agree with him, but my estimation would be less than 1%. On the other hand, today we see more and more people quoting Karl Marx and being inspired by his ideas. Based on the history of the last 150 plus years, this is very scary to see. For whatever reason, most people only read his quick read, Das Kapital. It really is a quick read, I can tell you that much. I think you could probably read the whole book in one day. But, it's nothing but bones. It has no meat, no substance to the ideas. But of course it latches on to people's emotions, and since we live in a world besieged by hurt feelings and emotions, it's no wonder more people are getting caught in his web of darkness. So prepare yourself to hear the true darkness as revealed by Marx himself. If this does not disturb you enough to reconsider any communist or socialist leanings, I don't know what will. And by the way, I know socialism is not as dark as communism, but, as Marx pointed out many times in his own writings, socialism is merely a stepping stone to full communism and Marxism. With that, my friends, buckle up. The first verse goes like this. Worlds I would destroy forever, since I can create no world, since my call they notice never. And then the next one, it goes like this. Then I will be able to walk triumphantly, like a god, through the ruins of their kingdom. Every word of mine is fire and action. My breast is equal to that of the creator. He then proceeds with, 
I shall build my throne high overhead. Cold, tremendous shall its summit be. For its bulwark, superstitious dread. For its martial, blackest agony. And then he says, See this sword? The Prince of Darkness sold it to me. And proceeds to say, With Satan I have struck my deal. He chalks the signs, beats time for me. I play the death march fast and free. And then there is this long piece here. I shall howl gigantic curses on mankind. Ha! Eternity! She is in eternal grief. Ourselves being clockwork, blindly mechanical, made to be the foul calendars of time and space, having no purpose save to happen, to be ruined, so that there shall be something to ruin. If there is a something which devours, I'll leap within it, though I bring the world to ruins. The world which bulks between me and the abyss, I will smash to pieces with my enduring curses. I'll throw my arms around its harsh reality. Embracing me, the world will dumbly pass away, and then sink down to utter nothingness. Perished, with no existence, that would be really living. As Tom points out himself, this is very bold, but creepy. If you are one that believes we are nurtured into our beliefs, even though this was written in his youth, it's hard to dismiss that this did not influence his future writings and ideas. So take note the next time you feel compelled to praise Air Marx. Okay, now for the cherry on top of this episode. I will take this talk about capitalism to the present time where the term continues to come under attack. There are increasing numbers of ultra-wealthy people stepping up to denounce capitalism. The latest such public statement has been made by Ray Dalio of Bridgewater Associates. I find it moronic that these people, who attain mass amounts of wealth in what is being perceived as capitalism, have the gall to denounce it and even suggest that some form of socialism is the answer to our problems. Shame on them. I say if you truly believe that socialism is the answer, my friends, actions speak louder than words, so to you ultra-wealthy who are denouncing capitalism, it is time to completely absolve yourselves of your wealth, every penny of it. What say ye? No? I figured as much. These loudmouth ultra-rich aren't the point here. Instead, as a result of their growing disdain for capitalism, there are a few people out there who are rightfully defending it. One such article I read was titled, Capitalism Isn't the Problem Here. If you want to read it, of course you can Google it, or, better yet, you'd be reading it by now if only you were on my weekly email list. Want to join it? Just jump on agecorp.co and click on emails from the desk of the original age at the bottom of the page. Anyways, back on point, which is that so many people incorrectly label our current system as free market capitalism. For anyone who has been following me for any period of time, you know my take on this. But I'm going to take another spin at it here, thanks to the points made in the article. Besides, you've likely noticed that I routinely call central bankers central planners. Think about it. What else are they? They're planning the economy with their monetary policies. That alone should result in a flag on the play when anyone calls our system a capitalist one. Last I checked, it is socialist countries that have central planners, not capitalist ones. Nowhere has the effects of central planning been more obvious than in the West, led by the U.S. with its Federal Reserve. A monetary policy of keeping interest rates unnaturally low has distorted and disfigured the economy. How so, you ask? 
I'll use an example from an article which points out companies that are bringing IPOs or initial public offerings to the market in hopes of cashing in on what is perceived as a strong economy. Many of these companies, who are trying to get their stock sold to the public, don't even turn a profit. Not only that, they've been losing money for years with absolutely no record of a profit. Case in point is Pinterest. No profits since it came into existence in 2010. It is trying to raise more capital in the public markets based on valuations that would suggest it is a successful and profitable company. It's not the only one, but it's the one discussed here. What does this have to do with central banks keeping interest rates low, you ask? Well, cheap money, also known as low interest rates, have permitted many companies to borrow money in order to stay alive. There's a term evolving on Wall Street calling these companies zombie companies. They're walking dead companies. Under normal capitalist conditions, the market would have identified these companies as not profitable and therefore not worth spending more resources on them. No further money would be lent, no further funds raised, because no profits means no point in carrying that business on. It would be a dead company, and its resources would be redeployed to other, more profitable ventures. Why do you think there was so much market turmoil in late 2018 as the Fed was raising interest rates? The so-called smart money knew that many of those zombie companies could not stay walking with interest rates rising, so it was best to exit the stock positions before it was too late. It's true that there do exist companies that are not zombies, and yet had their share prices dropping like stones those last three months of 2018. The problem is herd mentality. When perceived smart money starts exiting investment positions, other people start exiting investments for the simple reason that they see money leaving, and they start drawing out money from everywhere, regardless if the company is healthy, sick, zombie, or dead. So you see, this is yet another example that we do not live in a true free market capitalist society. Had we been, we would have swallowed the medicine of killing the zombies a long time ago, at a time where the medicine was at least cherry tasting. The free market would have made sure that interest rates were rising at a naturally correct time, and thus squashing zombie viruses before they became more widespread. Rising interest rates would have forced resources, including capital, also known as money, to be given to healthy companies. My points here are twofold. Number one, be weary of anyone selling you socialism and trashing capitalism. You are not living in a capitalist society. If anything, you should be seeing more characteristics of socialism in our current state of economic being. Number two, be weary of your investment portfolio. Are you holding good, healthy companies? Sure, they may experience shocks to their stock price, all thanks to the herd mentality, but they are stocks that you'd happily buy more of when the price is low. Or are you holding zombies, companies that look healthy because they're walking, but actually have zero life on the inside? This isn't a podcast about specific investment ideas. Only your investment specialist, one who knows your financial situation and investor profile can help you here. But at least this gives you something to think about. But with that mighty big juicy cherry sitting on top of this episode, it's time to close out this, the 25th leg of our long journey. With cherries this juicy though, isn't it time to help get the financial word out with these three easy steps? Step number one, tell your family and friends about this podcast and have them listen in. Like those joining Forrest Gump's cross-country run, we welcome everyone and anyone to our journey. Step number two, don't miss any future legs of our journey. 
be sure you're on the first train as soon as it rolls out. How? Subscribe. Where? www.ageunsquare.com And step number three, be kind, remind. What, you say? Ah, never mind. Just leave a rating and comment about this podcast on your favorite platform. And if you're thirsty for more, don't forget about that virtual water cooler on Twitter of mine. It will quench your thirst, that's for sure. You can find me at the original age. But if you're thirsty for a real coffee or tea, I'll bring one to your kitchen table so that we can talk about your financially independent future. Let's share some stories and get to know one another. And if the fit is right, I'd love to welcome you into our extended financial family. As we wait to embark on our next 25 episodes, Maina Floinda, stay safe, keep your integrity, and see you at the pinnacle.